1985. Some of you may remember this. But after 99 years, Coke decided to change its formula. It had been considered a classic. It had been loved by millions. And because of various reasons, they felt like they needed to change things up. And so they came out with what was called New Coke. The problem was New Coke was no good. In fact, they said that within just a few days, they were receiving upwards to 2,000 calls a day of people complaining about the change. And it got so bad that only three months into the change, they decided to change it back to Coke. You see, sometimes we try to find new things for whatever reason. And we end up messing up something that has worked for generations. And so many times we try to find other ways and other means, but praise goes all the way back to the very beginning. When God got down in the dust and created a, a, a mud sculpture and then he breathed life into it and that sculpture came alive and was called man, the purpose of that creation was to be a worship vessel. And now for thousands of years, if you go throughout the Old Testament, we find that worship and praise would bring us into God's presence. And if you get into His presence, anything is possible. And we go throughout the New Testament, the Gospels, and we find many places where you see someone, and the phrase will be, and they fell down and worshipped Him. And as they did that, He responded to them. And we have a formula that has worked for thousands of years. Not only has it worked, it's been proven time and time again. It's not time to change the formula. It's not time to try to find something different to do because, you know, we do this every time we come to church. We do the same exact thing. Can we do something different? No. I believe in following the Holy Ghost. I believe there are times we follow the Holy Ghost, but there are certain elements that have to be in place. And one of those is you and I have got to come in with the mindset, if we don't do anything else, I'm going to worship Him. Because let's be honest, not all of us spend time worshiping Him outside of this two-hour window. And we know the story of the woman in the Bible that had the issue of blood. And the Bible says that she reached out and she touched Him and she was healed. Why did that happen? It happened because she was the closest to him. Don't forget the importance of what is happening in this room. I feel very strongly today that God wants to do something. And the reason I know that is because he's given me no direction. And I 
don't mean that to know I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I say that because every time God does that, it's because he wants to do something specifically in this place and meet someone's need. And he doesn't give me anything, so I won't get in the way. But can I be honest with you? Do you know the difference between the ones who do and the ones who don't are the ones who's willing to get the closest? I know there are times where the Bible says he went after one and he searched after one and he followed after one and he went to Samaria to a woman by the well, but that only happened a few occasions, folks. There are time and time again where they say they came to Jesus, they were brought to Jesus. And as we spend time here worshiping, we're spending time lifting up the name of Jesus. The purpose of that now is to fill time to say, okay, we got to do this for 15, 20, 25 minutes, and then we got to do this, we got to do that. The purpose of that is, is because when we do that, not only does he, the Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people, but when I worship, stop making it about everybody else, make it about you for a moment. When I worship, when I connect with him, he comes down and communes with me. No offense, if you don't want to worship, too bad for you. Apparently you're okay with your life. But when I begin to reach out to him, he responds to me. Do you know what? Every need in this place could be met in this moment right now. You don't need someone to pray for you. You don't need someone to come down there and talk to you. You don't need a message. You need Jesus. Because the Bible says he knows what you need before you even ask. So I wonder if we could challenge you without song, without anything. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that's willing to take 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Forget who's on the right, on the left, in the front, in the back. Close your eyes, not to be spooky, but to black out the distractions. Lift your hands to heaven and just spend a moment, just you and Jesus, worshiping and praising him. Letting letting communion with him roll off your tongue for a moment. Can you do that? It doesn't have to be very loud. You don't have to get into a shouting competition. But just you and Jesus for a moment. Connect with Him. Come on, reach out and touch Him. Connect with Him in this place. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Be determined to get into his presence. Be determined to step into his presence. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just another moment. Just another moment. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus. 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 
You can return to your seats for a moment. I want to share something with you just for a moment. I feel to tell this. There's certain authors in the way they create their stories and the way that they write their stories. One particular author comes to mind. I won't mention the name of it, but there's one particular one that's he, that, that, that this, he's known for a lot of uh, books about military and that kind of thing. And in the beginning of the book, the way they formulate their story, it seems like there are numerous events that are going on in different areas that have no relation to one another. And after the first couple of chapters, you really are almost more confused with the story than you understand what's going on. But the more you stay with the story and the more you begin to read, all of a sudden what seemed to be unrelatable, what seemed to be chaotic, suddenly begins to come together. And now you begin to see lines drawn and you begin to see fibers beginning to cross. And all of a sudden what looked like a collection of chaos becomes a, a woven tapestry uh, of, of, of a, of a storyline. And by the time you get to the end of the book, everything has now woven together and you understand it all and you understand how all those work together. God is a lot like that in the way he runs our lives. I was just a week and a half ago preaching for a man in San Diego, California, and he, his story is remarkable. Young man, he's, he's, I think he's about maybe, maybe a year older than me at the most. And uh, he, uh, he had started a church just north of San Diego. Are y'all going to be okay? Okay, good. He started a church north of San Diego. And it just wasn't going that well. It was a struggle. It was a fight. It wasn't really taken off. He went to a camp meeting. And at this camp meeting, this rather strange character comes up to him and was talking. And he asked them the question, would you like to go play chess? The board game chess. He said, before I realized what I was doing, I said, sure. He said, this guy takes me up to this cabin up in the woods, way out secluded. He said, I get up there and my phone doesn't work. My wife doesn't know where I'm at. And sure, behold, I sit down at the table. He goes to the closet and pulls out a game of chess. He's like, he's afraid this is some kind of like end up on the news somehow. This story is going to go bad here. He's in this... Uh, 
this wooded cabin playing chess with a guy he doesn't even know. And he doesn't have a phone signal to tell anybody where he's at. So if he dies, they won't find the body. And after a few minutes, this guy is talking to him. And they're chatting. And all of a sudden, this guy says, listen, I started a Bible study down at this. I, I, I got this room for free at this. And, and, and I started a Bible study, but no one's showing up. I want to I turn it over to you. He's like, why are you going to turn over a Bible study no one's coming to? He said, I want you to have it. I don't want to do it anymore. You can have it. You can have the room, and it's yours. He said, I'm playing chess with a guy in the middle of the woods. He's giving me a Bible study that no one comes to. And he said, before I even knew it, I said, sure, I'll take it. And he said, the whole time I'm thinking, stop talking. So lo and behold, he takes this Bible study that no one was going to, and it happened to be in a congregational church. Congregational is, 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 is some of you may know that denomination. It goes back all the way to the, to the pilgrims, congregationalists. But now they're a dying breed. It's, it's a very, it's a, it's, they've been around for hundreds of years, but it's, it's a very, it's a dying uh, group. And he takes this, this little room in this congregational church, and he shows up the first night, and there's nobody there. And he says, okay, Lord, if this is where you want me to be, when I walk out, because it's, it, 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 it's, the church is right on this main road, and it has a lot of pedestrian traffic, he said, Lord, if I go out there, the first person I see and I ask them a Bible study, they'll come if this is really where you want me to be. So he goes out there and he said he's walking back and forth on a sidewalk and he sees this lady coming. And so he gets down and he starts tying his shoe and he's fumbling around. He's trying to get the courage to ask her. And she gets close and so he, he looks up and says, hey, ma'am, I don't want to bother you. But he says, we're having a Bible study here tonight. Would you come? She said, No. He said, I understand. I, that's okay. He's, she said, I already go to church. He said, I understand that. Like, he said, we're not starting a church. We're just coming together. We're just going to talk about the Word of God and share with one another. She said, oh, well, sure. I guess I'll come tonight. So she comes. God begins to work and deal with her life. Next thing you know, within just a few months, he's got 20 people in this Bible study. Now, he's running twice as much as the congregational church. And they're meeting in the auditorium. He's crammed in his little room. One day, he walks outside the room. And he's in this little foyer area. And the pastor walks up to him. And the pastor's like in his early 80s. He walks up to him. And, and a very successful man. He was a chaplain in the Navy. He was actually at the chaplain at the Naval Academy for years. Then he was a chaplain for the San Diego uh, uh, Navy base. Very successful in the military. Had been at this church for 23 years. He walks out to this place. Doesn't even know him. They never even communicated. And he walks out to him and, he, and they go out and they talk for a few minutes and he says to him, I want to give you this church. I want you to become the pastor of this church. He said, you what? I don't even know you. He said, you're going to be the pastor of this church. He said, do you know what I believe? Do you know? He said, 
yeah, I want you to be the pastor. He said, will you meet with the board, the church board? He said, sure. So they had 16 voters in the church. Eight actually physically came. Eight were in convalescent care. All 16 members voted for him to be the pastor. So he, he calls he calls somebody that's, a, that's a, 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 his, his pastor. And he calls and said, listen, here's what's going to happen. He said, listen. Here's what you got to do. When you go in there, ask them what the financial status of the church is because you don't want to be getting it. He, he said, they may be pulling a scam on you. You don't want to get in something now, be responsible and liable for a bunch of stuff. So they go in there and they talk to him. And they say, well, and he sits down and there's and the board's there and they, they begin to talk to him and they said, we voted and uh, you're going to be the pastor. And he said, he, he said, I, I, I decided to get my negotiating cap on. And he said, well, you know, before I, uh, before I uh, take this, uh, I'm going to need to see where things are financially. And when he did that, all of them at the same time just broke out laughing. He's like, did I say something wrong? I mean, they're just cracking up like he just told the best joke. He's like, did I say something wrong? They said, no, no, no. The pastor says, let me tell you a story. He said, 23 years ago, I retired and I came and took this church. And when I took this church, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to spend the next 23 years preparing this church financially because I'm going to send a young man sent by me and you're going to give him this church. Now watch this. At the same time that happened, 23 years before that, this man, Michael Gonzalez, was 13 years old at the time. He was 13 at this, almost the exact same time this, that God spoke it to him. At 13 years old, he had a vision. And in the vision, he flew over this church building. And he looked down at this church building. And God said to him at 13, I'm going to give you this. He had no clue what it meant. He, didn't even re- he said he didn't really remember the vision. But the pastor said, 23 years ago, when I came here, God told me to, to, to use my gifts and my connections to make this church financially sound. He said, I spent the last, and so when they opened up, everything was paid off completely. They had, they got property in the city that they leave. They, they have the the only the second cell phone tower in the whole city limits of San Diego. And the company came in on their dime and built a cell phone tower, but they built it to look like a church cathedral, put crosses all around it, redid all of their sidewalks, all brand new, upkeeps it at no cost, and then pays them a lease on the property. They've got property all around that they rent out. They've got apartment complexes that they rent. All of the income comes to the church. And the church had eight people. And they came and God gave... Now, he walked in there and and he he walked in there with wisdom because understanding what he was going into, he couldn't just go in there and blow the doors open. And he walked in there and it's been been several months now and the Lord's been using and wisdom and guiding. and, and, And all this is happening. 
And they've had two people of that group receive the Holy Ghost, but they haven't done it in public. Because I've never been to a congregational church, but what they tell me, it's very much traditional, extremely traditional. And so they're very calm and deliberate. They don't do it. But they've been hungry, and they've had gotten the Holy Ghost in his office after church. But they don't respond that well to church. Well, I was there. The night I was there, we had five people, five of the remaining six, got the Holy Ghost in public. In the middle of church, in public. I say all that to say this. All of those events that were happening all over the place, seemingly unconnected, that God was was weaving something together. And God couldn't have told a 13-year-old, listen, there's a man, he's 60 at the time, he's going to be doing this. That 13-year-old boy, first of all, he wouldn't have known what to do with it. Then he might have at 18 showed up the door and said, listen, I'm going to take this church. And the pastor would have said, who are you? And the pastor later told him, he said, I had the keys literally in my pocket to the church. I was going to hand them to you and walk away and never return. He said, the only reason I couldn't do that is because you had to meet the board first. He said, that's how much the Lord has spoken to me to give this to you sight unseen. I'm telling you this to say to someone in this room today, the events of your life right now may seem like they're so disjointed. I feel the Holy Ghost. They may feel so disjointed right now. They may seem like things going on in your life are a million miles separated. Nothing makes sense. Nothing seems to work. Then God drops a dream in your lap and you're like, what in the world does this dream have to do with anything I'm going through right now and dropping this on? But you don't know the connections God is beginning to weave together. And I'm saying that right now because... In those moments of chaos, in those moments of uh, unconnected dreams and unconnected situations, we have a tendency to want to try to connect things. And we get in the way of God's perfect plan. I'm saying to somebody here today that you're being battled because you feel like there are things in your life that are so out of control and nothing seems to make sense and everything's going in chaos and this is happening over there and that happening over there. And what in the world does all this have to do with my future and where God's taking me and nothing makes sense. And the devil comes along and he says, see, I knew God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. Look at all your life. It's in chaos. If he loved you, you'd have peace. If he loved you, you'd have purpose. If you loved you, you'd have passion. If you loved you, all of this would make sense. And you look at God and say, God, What's up with this? I'm asking and you're not telling me. And it seems like the farther I get into, the less it makes sense. But to know today, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not just saying that to to encourage you. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, somebody is receiving this. God is weaving your story. And nothing may make sense right now. You may be asking God, I ask God, you ask God, because right now in the moment, nothing makes sense. It didn't make sense to him to be sitting in a cabin in the woods playing chess with a man he never met before. Think about that. It didn't make sense for a man that didn't have anybody with a Bible study, give him a Bible study. It didn't make sense to take it 
On top of all that, none of that made sense to him. None of that computed in his mind. And I got to be honest with you, the great thing about it made me feel good the whole time he's telling me the story. He's telling me as if he wasn't just bouncing through this with full of faith. He was just kind of just following God the best he knew how. And the whole time his brain saying, what in the world are you doing? But he kept following God. I mean, we all expect just to blow through with our banner of faith raised real high and ride our horse out into the sunset and make everyone think, wow, they're so spiritual. Half the time, we're holding on for dear life. And all that that seemed to be so unscripted and so irrational and so disjointed and and did not make sense at all, God the whole time had his hand on it and was moving the pieces around and orchestrating something miraculous. Miraculous to place a man in a position at the right time. And whatever you're in right now, I don't care how much it doesn't make sense. I don't care how much your brain doesn't understand it. I don't care how much you try to figure it out and it only brings more confusion. If you followed God and God put you there, then God has a plan and a purpose for all of it. No matter how disjointed it feels, no matter how uh, 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 how how cryptic and how uh, unscripted it seems and how out of control your life seems right now, I'm not telling you you made... Okay, let, let me just put a disclaimer. I'm not talking about those of you that made dumb decisions and now want God to come in and be your janitor. That's another message for another day. But I'm talking about the precious people in this room that you sincerely followed God the best you know how and it seems like in following God it has become more chaotic but to know that God has something in work that right now it doesn't seem like it makes sense but it all begins to work together can we lift our hands right now and say Lord whatever you have to do to help me with your grace and your mercy give me the grace to continue to walk even though I don't see. Give me the grace to continue to believe even when my faith is not strong. Give me the grace to to keep fighting when my fight is gone out because I know, God, that you're faithful. You've never failed. Never failed. Give me the grace to keep walking when I don't want to walk anymore. Give me the grace to keep reaching when I don't want to reach anymore. Give me the grace to keep asking when I don't want to ask anymore. Give me the grace to keep knocking when I don't want to knock anymore. Father, in the name today, help us, Lord. Help us today. In the name of Jesus. 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 We have one quick prayer request to take care of this morning. Sister Carrie Malk is requesting prayer. She's back in the hospital again with the same condition. She was in there before. and She's been in severe pain, and we need to pray for her right now. Can we do that, Lord? We lift up Carrie to you today. We see... You see where she's at. You see the condition she's in. You know the exact place, the point of, of all that's going on inside of her body. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that healing would go forth, that strength would be released into her. 
We bind the pain in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We lose healing into her body. We lose virtue into her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We lose your angels to go right now into her hospital room and to touch her, minister to her, strengthen her, heal her. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak all these things by the power of the name, with the authority of the word, and through the healing of the blood. In Jesus' name, praise God. The ushers would come. This morning, tonight, we have church, 6 p.m. Bishop Wright will be speaking tonight uh, at 6 p.m., so I'm encouraging you to come and to be a part of that this evening. Amen. Don't forget this week, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night is uh, our uh, annual uh, event called Gather. It's a collection of all churches throughout our area uh, that we fellowship with that are going to come together. Um, this year, it's going to be at a different location. We've had it here. It's going to be at a different location. It's going to be over towards D.C., uh, right right around a few exits away from Andrews Air Force Base on the Beltway, right off the Beltway. Uh, it's a beautiful facility, Morning Star Apostolic Church, I think is the name of it. Greater Morning Star, Greater Morning Star Apostolic Church, and it's a great location. Brother Mike Mitchell from Brooklyn, New York, is going to be ministering. So I encourage you to come be a part of that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evenings. And because of that, there won't be church here Thursday evening. We're encouraging everyone to go there. Praise God. Amen. Father, we come to you to worship you in our giving, to give to you in our in offering and in tithes as a sign of faith, a sign of praise to you to give unto you because you've given so much to us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this offering as we give it and do it all in your name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. You stand and bring your offering as we sing. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Righteous run into it. They are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Run 
Welcome all of our guests today. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're here with us. Praise God. And if you're watching us on theantioch.com, welcome this morning. Praise God. This is a very, very sad day. You may be seated for a moment. It's a very sad day. Good sad, but it's a sad day. Uh, brother and sister... Jetty have been with us now for how many years this last time? Three years. Uh, have been here with us for three years. Um, they were with us before for three, four years and then left um, for a while and then they've come back. Uh, Brother Jetty's in the military. I wasn't saying they backslid and came back, but in the, he's in the military. Better qualify that. He left and he comes back. Nice, leave it again. Pray for them. They need Jesus. Now, Brother Jetty's in the military, and um, so obviously with that, his travels take him many places, and so they were with us for a while, then they left, and now they've been back with us um, this last three years, and um, not that the first four years weren't good, um, but this last three years, they have been a uh, phenomenal part of what God uh, is doing here, not only corporately, but especially here uh, in the Arnold congregation, they have done a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous job at working with our uh, multicultural ministry, um, with with uh, all of that entails, and have really taken something that was not there and created something uh, really awesome with that. And uh, only greater things are to come. But obviously, the sad part about today is is that uh, his duty calls him to a different place and so this is their last Sunday morning with us they'll be here tonight but this is their last Sunday morning with us and uh, we are extremely grateful of what they have done and the way they have poured themselves out and the fruit that is sitting here today because of uh, what God did through them I know we we praise the God, but the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. There's nothing wrong with that. And so they have spent, they've spent countless number of hours in um, ministering and countless number of hours in counseling and just in fellowshipping and uh, pouring themselves into people and the rewards have been tremendous. And I look over across here to my right and I see so much growth in the last three years. It's tremendous. And uh, the, 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 the uh, seed of that began with brother and sister Jetty and their burden. So we're going to ask if they would come stand here. And uh, I know we'll probably do this again tonight. But we're going to take a moment here. We're going to pray for them. And um, praise God. Amen. And here's what we're going to do instead of 
it being the ministry. I'm going to ask those of you that would like to come. We're going to pray for Brother and Sister Jetty and ask the Lord that would continue to use them, work through them, touch them, anoint them. They're, they're, they're a tremendous man and woman of God and used greatly, and we're believing for bigger and better things as they go forward. And we're going to pray that God would order their steps and anoint them and be with them. So let's pray for them right now. Can we do that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father? We thank you, Lord, for what you have done through this wonderful couple. We thank you for your hand that is upon their life, what you have done in them and through them. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your hand would be upon them even in a greater way, that you would guide them in their footsteps that your hand would be with them, that your angels would guide them and protect them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let your anointing continue to flow through them. Let your burden and your passion continue to drive them. Let them be drawn to you in a greater way. Let them be used of you in a greater dimension, Lord. Let everything that's inside of them that you put inside of them, let it come forth as great fruit for your kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Oh, praise God, 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 praise God. Let's thank the Lord. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother, sister, Jenny, don't go anywhere. We want to just give you something small as a token of appreciation I know sister Jenny that you guys are leaving in a week and so you can't take these with you but our prayer is for the next week that when you see these you'll think of how much we appreciate and love you and you see these and know that we are always with you and praying for you guys and you always have a home here in Annapolis Maryland praise God And just also, I should give this to her because she's the one. Yes, yes, you get it anyway. Just a small token, hopefully something maybe along the way you can use this to help in the travels or go out and take your wife out and get her something nice. And uh, we appreciate you. Amen. God bless you. Can we just give the Lord and them a hand clap of appreciation? Amen. Amen. Praise God. And I want to, I want to, you come up here, Brother Jetty. I want, I want to give you a second to greet everyone. And if the Lord lays something on your heart, just for a moment, let them hear from you one last time. 
Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, so fortunately, Brother Joel gave me a little bit of a heads up this morning, so I appreciate that. Um, first, I want to thank um, Antioch. And I know we say that sort of sounds like it's just a name and it's just and it's just a church. It's just a building we come to. But there's so much more than that when you say thank you to Antioch. It's about the people who are inside. It's about the the leadership. It's about um, it's about everybody that sits in one of these seats, whether it be on the platform or not on the platform. And I'm just so thankful that when we came back this time, knowing that um, last time was different, um, that it was open arms and that we were welcomed uh, as part of the family returning home. And um, there's something special when you feel like, especially being in the military, having, um, not to be cliche, but having been around the world, and we've been in a whole lot of churches, but to feel like you're coming home to some place, that's special. And this time around, it's really been a family reunion. Um, we had a chance yesterday to, uh, to have folks come out, barbecue, and just do what we like to do, and that's just hang out with our family. And uh, so I'm, I first want to say thank you to um, the multicultural ministry coordinators now, the Lamones and the Valdehuesas, for working with the rest of the group to try to put together a wonderful spread. Thank you very much. It was a special day yesterday, and, and um, you know, when we had a chance to lay our head on the pillow and sort of settle down for a moment last night, we were in incredibly appreciative of, of all that everybody put into that. And, and just, just by coming out and spending some time with us before we go is, is um, going to leave an, a, um, an indelible mark on our hearts and in our spirit. Um, as I said, uh, Pastor gave me uh, a heads up and, and said I could take a few minutes. He just said a second a, f a few, few seconds ago, but um, I'll try to, I'm going to stretch this second a little bit. <laughs> That's right, a preacher second. Um, is it okay to share with you a little bit of a burden? <laughs> See, my, I haven't, 23 years ago, um, we were in San Diego, and we were lost and hurting. We were, I um, hope this doesn't d ruin any uh, impression you have of us, but uh, my wife and I met when she was still married, legally separated in Hawaii. Um, but, but we met at that time. I'm, I just want to tell you this because I want to explain the mess that we were in. Because I'm hoping that if you can see the mess that we were in and see what God has done with that mess, I'm hoping that you'll see that if you feel like your life is in a mess, that there's hope, that God can do something with a mess. So this, this wonderful Filipino family in this uh, apartment complex that we lived in, it took us three days to find this place. We found it in the middle of the night. It was a really long story I won't go into. But this family that actually uh, Pastor Joel got a chance to meet last week, uh, the Mahatas family, they loved on us from the very beginning. Um, they loved on us from the second they met us. I basically was in the pool with my son, said hello to them, and they said hello back. And eventually it led to, do you go to church? And eventually it led to um, Bible studies in our home, which is really kind of funny because 
Um, we didn't have furniture. We had a bed. That was it. And so we did Bible study on the floor on the carpet. And he came and brought his guitar, and we had a little uh, stand to hold the, the Bible study. And we just worshipped. We ate food on the floor, and, and we just worshipped and, and, uh, and learned the very basics just from the love that they showed to us. And, and if they were here today, I would thank them for the example that they showed us because we try to live their example. Let me say that again. We try to live their example. See, they were godly people who knew how to show how to love people. And so anything that you see today, yes, it's all God, but it's all through people that have planted something in our lives. They've planted love in our lives. And see, we were desperate for love. We were, we were a mess. A mess. Bun in the oven, son already, she already, you know, Anthony was already there. You know, we were a put-together family, and we just, we just were doing the best we knew how to do, but we were tripping and fumbling through it. And we needed somebody to take us by the hand and to adopt us and to just love on us. You see, we all need someone to love on us. We all, we all have some place in our lives where we're broken. We all have some place where we've got something that's disconnected. We've got family that's not with us. We've got troubles all around us. But we don't have to be overcome because we have people around us that should be loving on us. And if you see people around you that are hurting, even though they're putting the best face on, Try to discern because we're all, we've all got something that we're hurting on. We're all in a desperate need for love. And if we show the love that Christ showed to all of us by dying on the cross, but going even further than that, see, if it was just him dying on the cross, a lot of people have died on the cross. But he endured a whole lot of, a whole lot of torture. He endured a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of sacrifice just to come down and to accept that for every one of us? I mean, what kind of a love is that? But then he not only did that, he also came back and proved who he was. See, he proved to us a long time ago through that family and through others that have adopted us. See, we were handed off from that family in, in San Diego. We were there for about four months. We were handed off from that family to when we got to Jacksonville, Florida, and we had another family. They adopted us. Immediately when we got in there, we had somebody that was willing to adopt us in all of our imperfections. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Navy guy. I learned checklists. I, it took me seven, eight months to get the Holy Ghost because I was like, okay, God, I'm doing everything on the checklist, right? I'm coming to the front. I'm crying. I'm raising my hands. I'm praying. I'm, I, well, I'm, do, I'm doing the checklist. I was hard-headed. My wife hates when I say this, but I grew up in the Granite State, and they make our skulls a little bit thicker than most. But, um, so it took me that long to, to get the Holy Ghost. But it was all because they adopted us and they loved on us. It's the whole reason why we stayed in church. It was those phone calls when we didn't show up once in a while to say, hey, we missed you. Not because they were checking up on us, but because they truly were concerned about us. They truly cared about us. See, their life wasn't too busy to care about somebody else other than themselves. So we've got a whole bunch of people in here. I, the thing I wanted to talk to you today about is, is, is love, is showing and giving love. And if, um, if somebody's up in the room, if I can just flash up a scripture, um, Galatians 5 and 13, and if you can put in the New King James, I'd appreciate it. See, that outside the walls, there's a whole hurt in, in hurting and dying world out there. 
And it's up to all of us to be able to reach them. It's our responsibility. It's not their responsibility to come through the door. It's our responsibility for the people that are around us to reach out to them. So that's outside the walls. But what about inside the walls? Galatians 5 and 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, we've, I don't know everybody in here. I've seen faces. There's a whole bunch of new faces in here, and I think that's wonderful. That's, that's, that's incredible. And, and I think most of the people that have been here a little bit of time, we've at least maybe shaken hands or passed by, shared a... Shared, not, not Isaac, I don't... I'll, I know is his name, but I, <laughs> he's shaking his head. But we're supposed to show love one to another. So if we, if we can reach out and invite the broken in, right? Because, and I say the broken, we can bring the, the, the whatever, whoever thinks they're whole have them come in as well. We've all got brokenness. Whether we know it, whether we agree to it or not, whether we accept it or not, we've all got brokenness. So it's our job to bring them in, but it's not our job to leave them alone once they come in. That's where we've got to learn how to be an adoption agency where each and every one of us have to find people to adopt and to love on them. There's a few families in here that have taken in children that were not their own, but they have adopted them and loved them like they were their own. I won't call anyone out, but that's the kind of love that we're called to. They accepted those children, regardless of, of the tethers or the, uh, the pardon the term, but the baggage that came along with them. We're all called to love each other, regardless of what baggage we see people carrying behind them or strapped around their shoulder. That's the love that we're called to. See, the punchline is, is that if we love one another, everything else works out. But see, the next part is, is that we've got to love our leadership. See, that's part of Antioch. We've got to love the people that have been set above us in, in, in a covering. See, it sounds, like, it sounds like a way of saying, well, you know, you've got to just get in line. No, what I'm saying is, is there are people who care about you that have been called to certain positions within, within ministry that have a burden for the lost, that have a burden for, for loving people, they have a burden for souls. God has placed them in that spot. And if you do your best to only strive for perfection in your life and cut them a break in theirs, right? So I've been around the UPCI for now 25 years. I'm going to be real for a second. I was a, I was a pew sitter sitting in the back, cutting down things that you know were said or done, or, oh, look at them, and look at that. Who do they think they are? I did that at one time. And then I realized, you know what? I can either be part of the problem, which I was, or I can get involved and start accepting this thing, accepting this, this, this thing. I'm here anyway. Why would I come if I'm miserable? Why not get involved and see if I can pitch in and help and be a part of it? See, that's part of the love that Christ has given to us as well. That's part of the love you're called to show. When you come in here, when you're part of a family, right? Yeah, everybody has family arguments and stuff. We don't get along with all of our family. You're bound to not have 
you're bound to not see eye to eye with everything that you hear from the pulpit and praise God for it. Because if they're coming in and just massaging your ears, then it's not worth hearing the message. Sorry, that's as plain as I can get. If it doesn't hurt, it's not helping. You hear me every once in a while say, ooh, stepping on toes. But, but, but it works. That's love. That's the love that has to come from a pulpit. But if you notice when they're not in the pulpit, when they're down in there meeting with and, and, and talking with people, and, and they're loving on you, right? There's, that's the different types of love. It's love, right? But you have, to, you, have to accept, you have to accept the leaders that the Lord has put in your life. They may not be the ones you would have chosen. Amen? They might not have been the ones you would have chosen if you had the opportunity to choose them. But you do have the choice once they're chosen to whether you're going to place yourself under that covering or not. It's your responsibility. And to, accept, to expect perfection from them is an unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic. But for you to strive for perfection in your own life and in what your actions and reactions are, that's showing the love that Christ has given to you. It's showing the love and acceptance and understanding for the, the covering that's been placed over you. But then there's the last piece. And I sort of got to the punchline first, and I'm coming to the, to the end of it. But you have to love Antioch. Lock, stock, and barrel. You have to love Antioch. If you're going to be here... I know that's probably not the best reference, right? I'm a military guy. Lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah, guns from the pulpit. Love it. <laughs> you have to accept it with any blemishes you think it has. You have to accept it with, 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 with eyes wide open. But walk in and get behind the vision. Because if you don't get behind the vision, all you're going to do is become a cancer. If you don't get behind the vision... All you're going to become is a cancer. And your cancer will grow because you'll spread. And you'll move from one cell to another. You'll spew this, this, this nastiness from one person to another in, in attempting to bring down the vision and the, and the structure that God has put in place. I hate to be so plain. I know it's... But the Lord has put this on my heart. See, the, the four years we were here before... We didn't feel connected. But the reason, when we look back on it, the reason we didn't feel connected to the people and to the ministry and to Antioch is because we didn't make ourselves get connected. It was our fault completely. Bishop said it yesterday. We had, we had our own agenda. It's true. Some of those pieces were running from something, but um, part of that agenda was staying at arm's reach. Right? Because if I, if I do this thing called love, I have to make myself susceptible and vulnerable to pain and injury. Right? Because people are going to hurt you. Whether they mean to or not, they're going to hurt you. And it hurts. And your emotions, when you, if you wear your emotions on the sleeve, you're definitely going to get hurt. But if you approach it with love... And, and, and approach it from a perspective of, I have my role to play in this family. I, I mean, we've heard it preached so many times, but I'm just trying to plead with you that this is a burden the Lord has placed on me, and I, I hope that you accept it as a burden as well. Y 
you can't be a part of this and not try and strive to become fully apart because you're, you're just not going to feel fully connected. You're, you're going to feel like that black sheep in the family, right? You're going to feel like that outlier that, that unless you place yourself fully connected. And the only way you're going to do it is through receiving and giving the love that Christ has given us. Amen? Love one another as you love yourselves. Love your neighbor as yourselves. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for the love that you've shown to us. Um, And uh, we're only an email or a text or whatever away, or Facebook away. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. We should just dismiss right there on that. <laughs> Praise God. You can be seated just for a moment. He said something, and then he mentioned there at the end, I just want to read something to you. You know it. You've heard it. It's been preached many times, but just I feel the need to read it again. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The word commandment there in Strong's means an authoritative prescription. We take a prescription for what we need to make our body stronger. And he said the first thing you have to do is you have to know here is the Lord our God is one. The second thing is love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. We stop right there. We stop with doctrine. And then we stop with, well, my relationship with God. But then he continued and added. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We are conditioned as Americans to run to our own tent and take care of ours and mine. That's what we are. I'm, uh, I've been blessed now to travel, travel all over the world in many, many countries you go into. The, the idea of community and helping one another is so prevalent in all of the culture. But in here in America, we're so isolated. We're in our own little world, our own little, our own little pods, our own little houses, our jobs, our careers, our... And, and, and to get an American to think out of its independency... That's what we pride ourselves on, right? We're an independent country, and we, we, to get an American to think out of the realm of independency and to think of somebody else, boy, that's, that's tough. And you would think a Christian would be different, but it's even hard for us Christians. But what if I told you today that if you look to your right and your left, the people next to you right now have as much to do with you being saved as you do?
I don't want to hear that because ultimately I want to know what do I have to do to be saved. Well, look to your right and your left and the people next to you have as much part of you being saved as you do getting to heaven. Why? Because not only are you going to be judged based off your relationship, but you're going to be judged of how much you had relationship with other people. Because he said, here are the two things you need to do. You got to first love me. And then the second thing, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, then that right there gives us all three of the relationships that we have. Our first relationship with God. Our second relationship is with others. Our third relationship is with ourselves. But all of them work together to make us who we're supposed to be. Because the Bible says, how can you say you love God who you haven't seen if you can't love your neighbor who you have seen? And so that's why God spends so much time working on us because not working on us for our benefit is working on us so that as we see ourselves differently, by that we can see others differently. And if we see others differently, then we can see him differently. Oh, see? We want to just have our way so we can get to God, but no way. There's a little clause in between us and God. It's called somebody else. And he put that person there. Because he said, if you want to love me, you got to love your neighbor. But to love the neighbor, you got to love yourself. So I'm going to work on you so that ultimately you can see others differently. Because if you can see others differently, you'll see me differently. You want to have a greater relationship with God. We've, we say so many times, where are the miracles? Why do things happen? Why, 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 why are we doing God's not going to give anything to someone to consume on their selves. He gave you the greatest miracle already. It's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the greatest miracle you can ever experience in your life. That's greater than getting out of a wheelchair. That's greater than being raised from the dead. That's greater than seeing your blind eyes open. It's greater than ears being open. Because the Bible says when one person turns their life around, all of heaven begins to rejoice. So receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and being baptized in the name of Jesus is the greatest miracle you can ever see. But the reason why we don't see things happen as much as we want to is because we are too much of a containers and not conduits because we want all of this stuff to happen for our benefit. But if we would step out and use it for his benefit, he is unlimited of what God can do because he continued in Mark and said this, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop. It's like, like his name is in verse 31. There is no other greater commander than this. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou said the truth. There is one God. And there is none but he. And to love him with all thy heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Is more than all of it. Take everything you think you're giving to God, all of that combined does equal loving him and loving somebody else. Giving your time, giving your giving offerings, giving time, with all that all that we, we think we equate to he said, take all of it. 
all of that equates does not equate to just loving him and loving others. Because if I can love him and love others, he can flow through me. And the greatest anointings that I've ever felt in my life has never been standing in the pulpit. It's always been across the table from somebody with a Bible open and trying to share with them the love of Jesus. I challenge you today. Some of you are so stuck in your life. They say a rut's only a, a, a grave with the ends cut out of it. Some of you are so stuck in a rut of life. And you to continue to repeat the same pattern over and over again. And you've become so consumed. You've become the proverbial talent in the sand. The ostrich with its head dug deep in the sand. And everything is revolved around you. You'll never get out of that until you reach out to somebody else. Because reaching out to somebody else, God will reach down to you. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. You don't have to say amen for not for it to be truth. It's truth. I challenge you. It's it's always it always falls on the responsibility of the pastor or those in leadership. Well, they should be doing this and they should be doing. It. And you hear somebody, you know, someone missed church and they get it. And you, you you know hear. Well, no one called me. Well, last time I checked, I'm one. There's three hundred. I said this the other day. We were just for, just for just for for uh, for laughing sake. Okay, let's just do this real quick. I, I'll stop talking. Let me just pull this up so I make sure I do it correctly. Let's just say, for instance, there's about three hundred people here today. So right now, if you take three hundred times five, that's fifteen hundred for that, right? So let's just say right now we spent. Five minutes. I spent five minutes with everybody in this room. That's 25 hours a week just to spend five minutes with everybody in this room. Could I do that? Sure. Is five minutes effective? I don't know. Five minutes of Jesus' time, I guess, is effective. But think about that. And as we grow that number gets larger. As you grow, that number gets even greater. So think about that. We don't like that because we don't want the responsibility of carrying that. But think about it. The job of you, because you're a part of the church, is to look out for your brothers and sisters. That's a sign of maturity. The bishop said that uh, a couple Thursday nights ago. He said, some of you, you've been around for 10, 15 years, and you're still wanting the same treatment as you were when you first got here. There should be a point of maturity where you start to come to church, not to receive, but you come to church to give. And in giving, God does great things to you. I can't tell you how many times God has blessed me as I'm praying for somebody else. How many times God's given me revelation as I'm praying for ministry to somebody else, not asking for anything. Why? Because it's not about me anymore. It's about helping and flowing through the Holy Ghost because that's a sign of maturity. Can we stand? Father, I pray right now, Lord, we, there are some of us precious people in here today. We're trying our best to live for you the best we know how, but it seems like no matter what we do, it seems like it doesn't work. But I, God, I know you have a plan and purpose for every person in this room. You have a plan, an orchestrated purpose. 
for everyone in this room. And God, that plan does not simply involve our world and our agenda, but ultimately it's about you flowing through us to be a part of what you came to this earth to do. And you said you came to seek and to save. And God, if we would get with you, you'd get with us. And I pray, God, that you would help us get a fresh revelation of what was spoken here today, a fresh revelation of who we are, what we've been called to do, that we could get a hold of your hand and you could get a hold of our hand and together we would be able to walk and that you would use us and flow through us. You commanded the disciples to go, to go. And Lord, forgive us for our stagnation. Forgive us that we've turned go and to come. Now we want you to come, but you told us to go and pray, God, right now that you would let a fresh burden, fresh understanding fall over each one of us, that we would begin to be led of you, walk with you, that you would use us, that you would flow through us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Don't forget tonight, church at six o'clock, Bishop Wright will be speaking. Amen. God bless you. Take a moment. Greet somebody. Don't run out until you've shaken at least three hands or you'll get zapped at the door. The ushers are standing by. They will be counting how many handshakes you have done. It only hurts for five seconds, but it will hurt. Praise God. God bless you.